All right, Trouble Say, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for uh, accommodating the earlier start time. I figured given the uh, given the fast day and given the short Friday, given the short Erev uh, Shabbos, that it's good day to, uh, to learn a little bit before before diving this morning. So let's begin. I want to begin by thanking our Talmud Torah sponsors for the month of Teves, Dovi and Nina Elman, for dedicating all of the Shi'urim and Drushas this month in honor of their daughter Ayelet becoming the best mitzvah. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, Ayelet will continue to flourish into a wonderful Bas Yisrael. So we'll see with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Lamed Dalit 34, and we are picking up Emir Tzashem, Emir Tzashem on Lamed Gimel on days 33b at Gufa. Specifically, again, two, four, six, seven lines up from the bottom. So it says, the Gimara Gufa, Malikin Bepas Ubishemen Shal Truma So we had this mentioned in yesterday's daf as well, which is that we go ahead and we could use Truma, which became ritually impure. So if you have Truma that became ritually impure, the halacha is or for, I should say, so again, the specific examples are pas, bread, shemen, oil, which became ritually impure. You could use them as fuel for a fire. And halacha lamaisa, again, then use that fuel, use that fire to go ahead and cook something. That's only true bread. That's only true bread. But you can't use grain. Chita literally means grain, which became tamay. And then use it to go ahead and create fuel for a fire. Why is that? Because there's a concern that ultimately, again, you may come to it. Literally, you may come to stumble upon it, right? It may be, it may create a stumbling block for you, which is another way of saying that you may come to inadvertently consume it. That's the concern. So what's the distinction over here between grain and bread? So Rashi explains that if you go ahead and you throw a loaf of bread in a pile of firewood, essentially it becomes totally unusable and inedible. But grain, if you were to throw a bundle of grain into into a pile of firewood, halacha lemaisa, again, you could always just go ahead and dust off the grain afterwards and it's totally consumable. So therefore, that's the distinction. Kid Amr Rav Ashi, to Rav Ashi explains, so, say, so remember again, we said, the Brayse said before we made this distinction. So Kid Amr Rav Ashi, Rav Ashi says, top of Lam Dalid, Bishaliksa Um Ista. What are we talking about here, Rav say, When do we go ahead? And we say that you could even go ahead and use grain. That's ultimately, again, if you cooked it, and then ultimately, again, then it becomes disgusting when you go ahead and you throw it into the pile of firewood. Take a look at Rashi. Tap Rashi, Lamadala, Madala, Vishalikto, Meista, Laachar, Shinitmau, Shulkan, Vaacharkach, Zarkan, Labena, Eitzim, Vehain, Nim, Asos, Vrafuna, Chayish, Dilma, Achiluhu, Mikame, Delishkalinhu, Obisha, Shulkan. So the Gimara says, Right, the Gemara says that Rabbi Yochanan, right? Um, right, I'm sorry. So, so ultimately, again, so according to Rabbi Yochanan, what would happen over here? You would cook it, and then ultimately, again, you would throw it into the firewood. So if you were to cook it and throw it into the firewood, at that point in time, it would become disgusting, and there's no concern that you may come to go ahead and inadvertently consume it. Remember, again, this is part of the discussion that we began yesterday, concerning the idea that do we want you maintaining truma tamea or not? In other words, even if you're going to burn it, 
Is there some level of concern that you may come to go ahead and inadvertently consume it if we allow you to hold on to it or not? So the Gemara says, Ve'echa itmar dravashi. Where, where did Rav Ashi make his statement? And I was about to say, Rav Ashi is saying, so just to follow the flow, the Gemara quoted our Braise from yesterday. The Braise said, Madlikin shel truma Right? So that you could go ahead and you could use bread, oil of truma that became Timea, you could use it to fuel the fire. So remember again, Rava, I'm sorry, that, that, so Abaye said in the name of Chizkiah, and Rava is the name of Riza by Marta, that that's only true with bread. But ultimately, again, not with grain, because grain, we're concerned that even after you throw it into the fire pile, you're going to come to inadvertently use it. And ultimately, again, Rabbi Yochanan said, no, even wheat is fine. And now the Gemara said, Ravashi came along and explained, when did Rabbi Yochanan say that you could go ahead and use wheat of Truma Tzimea as fuel for your fire? That's only if it was first cooked, if it was first boiled. Because once it was boiled, then thrown into the pile of fire, then halacha it's going to become disgusting. It's going to become repulsive. No one's going to come to eat it. So the Gemara says, where, where do we glean Rav Ashi's statement from? What's this? actually very interesting. Abba Sha'ol Gabal Shabbos Rabbi Haya. Abba Sha'ol was the kneader. Kneader with a K. Right? He was the kneader, ultimately again, of the house of Rabbi, which is really quite interesting. And ultimately, again, when he was, when remember again, in order to knead, so you have to go ahead and heat up hot water. So they would go ahead and heat up hot water with a fire made of chitin, grain that was truma, that had become tame. That had become tame. So you see from here, you see from here that in the house of Rebbe, they were using stalks of truma wheat, which had become tame. They were using it for fuel for fire. Amai, but how could we allow this? Are we concerned that if we allow you to go ahead and maintain the stalks of wheat, that you may come to inadvertently consume them? To Ravashi explained, no, 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 what's the case? The case is where the wheat was first boiled, then it became disgusting, and therefore, again, you boil it, and then after you boil it, and you have to throw it into the pile of firewood, it becomes totally inedible. No one is going to touch it. Good. Abai bar Abin, Rabbi Hananya bar Abin, Tanu, Trumas Bey Rabba. So let's listen to this. An interesting story. Therefore, that takes care, that takes care ultimately again of that particular, of that particular raisa. So Abaye bar Avin, Rabbi Hananya bar Avin, Tanu, Trumas Bey Rabba. So we'll say Abaye and Rabbi Hananya were learning the sugya of Trumas in the yeshiva of Rabba. Pagabahu Rava Barmasna, Rava Barmasna encountered, chanced upon them. Tell me, what are you learning in the Sugi of Trumas in the Yeshiva of Rabbah? So they said to him, they said to him, Rava, tell us, we, obviously you're asking, what's your question? What's your question? You might do something, something's on your mind, something's bothering you. What's your, come tell me your question. Amr the host, he said, I'll tell you. Tnan Shasile Trumos Shinitmu Vishaslan Tahorin Milatame Vasura Milaho. Well so this this is fascinating. We're gonna spend pretty much the rest of the daf 
on this particular Mishnah. So we learned in the Mishnah, Shesile Truma Shenitmu. So what's we'll Shesile? It means Truma plants. Shesile means, Shesile, Rashi says, Kigon, Shesile Krovo Kreshen. So Rashi gives the example over here of, of cabbage and leeks. So if you have plants of Truma, Truma plants, Truma plants, Shenitmu, which became Tame, Vishaslan, and then you went ahead and you replanted them. So we'll say, so again, they were planted, they became detached, they, or you detached them, they became Tame, and now you replanted them. Tahorin Mila Tame, ultimately again, they can no longer convey Tuma to anything else. Rashi says over here, Taro Milatame, Achirim Shechi Buran the Karka, Batlan Mitoras Ochal. Bose, remember again, the halacha is when you go ahead and you reattach food to the ground or you replant food, it loses its designation as food. So if you were to take this Truma Tamea and replant it, its Tuma effectively goes away. Its tumor goes away because halacha lamaisa once it's been replanted, it loses its tumor designation. So now I have my truma tumea, truma tumea. I replant it. So again, I'm sorry, tahor milatame. Ultimately, they can no longer convey tumor to anything else, which is a way of saying it's lost its tumor. Vasur milachol, but you are not permitted to eat it. We'll say what it sounds like the Gemara is saying is that if I take truma, which became tamea, I take a cabbage, right? Truma cabbage, which became tamea, I replant it in the ground. Replanting it in the ground takes away its own tuma, but ultimately, again, the cabbage itself still remains prohibited for Kohanic consumption. But I don't understand that. If once I go ahead and replant it, the original tuma goes away. So then, also, why wouldn't it be permitted to go ahead and consume it as well? We assume these two concepts are linked, right? We're assuming the reason that Kohanim can't go ahead and eat it after you replant it is because somehow it still retains its tuma. But Lamai said that's not true. We learned that if you go and you replant Truma Tamea, the, t- the tuma status goes away. So the Chimi Achar, the Tarmi once you tell me that the Truma can no longer convey tuma, why am I not permitted? Why is the Kohen? I mean, I, I can't, but why is the Kohen not permitted to eat it? So I will say, this is the sheet of Rabbah. Rabbah says, what does it mean ultimately, again, when we say over here, Asr? Sorry. So what does it mean when we say over here, Asr? So the Gemara says, Asur in the Zorim. Oh, it means non-Kohanim can't eat it. That what the Gemara is saying over here is once you replant it and ultimately its Tuma goes away, it still has the status of Truma. So when it says Asurim Ilechol, it means non Kohanim aren't permitted to eat it. So, my Kamashmalon, and therefore, what is the Brisa or what is the Mishnah coming to teach me? Kidule Truma, Truma. I'm being taught that that which grows from Truma is Truma. So therefore, I will say, so just the follows. According to Rabbi's interpretation, the Mishnah teaches me the following. If I have a head of cabbage, that's Truma, and the head of cabbage becomes Tome. Now, I replant the head of cabbage. So what's the halacha? The Tuma goes away, because once you replant Tome food, it loses its Tuma, and now ultimately, again, the cabbage becomes, is not permitted to be consumed by non-Kohanim, meaning because it's Truma. Because it's Truma, and what is the Gemara coming to teach me? What is the Mishnah coming to teach me? That that which grows from Truma has the same status of Truma. The Gemara says, but Tanina, we already learned that once before. Gidule Truma, Truma. 
that which grows from truma is truma. All right, pretty explicit. So why do I need another Mishnah teaching that halacha? Maybe this Mishnah is coming to teach me what, what we call gidule gidulin, that which grows from the new growth. So I have a head of cabbage, it became tomei, I replant it, it grows some more, and then some more goes, grows from that, that I might have thought maybe that's the novelty. And I will say, interestingly enough, perhaps what we're referring to over here is the type of plant whose initial seed never fully decomposes. I will say in the plant world, there are two different kinds, maybe a little horticultural lesson over here. Right? In, in the plant world, there are two different kinds of, I'm sure there's more than two, but for our purposes, say there's two. There's the type of plant where the initial seed or initial bulb totally decomposes as more growth occurs. And then there's the type of plant where the initial seed or bulb, bulb remains intact. So for example, onions are a good example of the latter. We're gonna see that in just a moment, where again, the initial bulbs of the, of the original onion still remains intact, no matter how many additional bulbs are created. So the Gemara says as follows. We're gonna see that in the Gemara in just a moment. So maybe, so maybe that's the Chiddush over here. According to Ram, maybe that's the Chiddush of Mishnah, that even that which grows, even secondary and third growths, still have the status of truma, and even if the original seed or the original bulb has not decomposed, additional growths still have the status of truma, to which the Gemara says, Hanami Tenene, we learned that as well. Ha-tevel gidulav mutarim, We'll say if you have tevel, right? So remember again, tevel is untithed produce. Let's say you had tevel, and you replanted your tevel. So that which grows from the tevel ultimately again is permitted. As long as the original seed decomposes. But for something where the original seed does not decompose. Even again, that which grows from that which grows. Secondary and third growths will still be Aser, since the original seed or the original bulb was still in existence. So Ishtiku, Rabbo is quiet. Rabbo is quiet. So the Gemara says, said, tell me, have you, have you heard anything about this? So the Gemara says, yes, remember again, we're just trying to figure out the meaning of the Mishnah we quoted before. The Mishnah we quoted before said, I have truma plants, meaning they're detached from the ground, they became tame, and now I replant them. So two things happen according to the Mishnah when I replanted. Number one, to Horin Milatame, they can no longer convey Tumah to something else, which means as soon as you replant it, it loses its original Tumah designation. That's one. And two, ultimately, Asurin Milachol. You are not permitted to go ahead and eat it. You can't eat it. So we'll say, so now we're trying to figure out, so the first part I understand, when I replant it, it loses its former Tumah designation, and Halacha Lamai again, now it's Tahar, I understand that. What does it mean I can't eat it? So Rabbah wanted to suggest, ultimately again, can't eat it is not a reference to Kohanim, but can't eat it is actually a reference to Yisraelim, meaning it still goes ahead and retains its Tumah status. So we brought up, again, the difficulties in Rabbah's interpretation. Now the Gemara says as follows. So the Gemara says, Amr Luhu, Haki Amr Rav now advances another interpretation, Maya Surin. What does it mean when the Mishnah says that the bulbs or the new plants are Asr? Asurin the Kohanim, Hovifsiluhu Behesachadas. Wow. What's in there when it comes to a fascinating sugyo? So Vsheshah says it means that the growth 
the plants are going to be Asr. Why? Because ultimately, again, they became invalidated with what's called Hesechadas. Hesechadas means lapse of awareness. Take a look at Rashi for just a moment, almost right across. The Hesechadas, Kishnitmu Metchila. When the, when in this case, the head of cabbage, we'll call it, became Tommy originally, a person removed, the coin removed his, his awareness of it, to guard it, so we'll say this is incredible, based on the Pasuk of that ultimately, again, you must go ahead and guard my trumos, that Pasuk you must guard means that there must be a constant awareness guard, regarding consecrated matters. That the moment that the coin has a lapse of awareness regarding consecrated matters, ultimately, again, the item itself becomes puzzle. So therefore, I will say what Rav Sheshis is suggesting is as follows. That if you have the head of cabbage that was Truma, that became Tameh, and now once it becomes Tameh, essentially the coin really is no longer attentive to it. The fact that now he goes ahead and he replants it, and ultimately, again, there's more growth that comes, that's fine. But at the end of the day, for the coin, it still has the status of truma tamea, because since he was not mindful of it, therefore, again, the truma itself becomes invalid. But said, this is the content of Hesachadas. If we, if we have time, I'll give you an incredible just contemporary application of this. So the so both say, now this is very interesting. This works well if you hold that Hesach Hadas is a psul haguf. In other words, both say that, that, that a, lapse, a, a lapse in awareness ultimately, again, creates actual, like a physical invalidation of the truma. But ultimately, again, if you hold that Hesach Hadas is an issue of tuma an issue of potential tumah, then halacha lamaisa, I don't understand why should there be a problem here. Look at Rashi, ma'ika lamaymar, hani amai mifsli mishum chashash tumah hafilu tumah v'adosh shebenters. Also remember again, if you hold the hesachadas, is it then ultimately what we call a psul haguf? It's a physical invalidation of the truma. I understand. But if you hold the hesachadas is puzzle, because we're concerned now, since you're no longer aware of what's happening to the truma, the truma may have become tame. Tuma isn't really so much of a concern over here. Why? Because remember, you are replanting the head of cabbage. So because you're replanting it, all the tuma goes away regardless. To which the Gemara says, itmar This is a machlokas. So remember again, just that because it's a very important, it's a very important principle. The Pasik says, Es mishmeres churumosai. When the Torah refers to truma, it calls it a mishmeres, something you must guard. From here we see that truma boi shimur. Truma must be guarded. And it's not just truma, it's all consecrated items must quote unquote be guarded. What does it mean to be guarded? You can't have a lapse of awareness. You can't have hesechadas. Now, and if you have hesechadas, the item itself becomes puzzle. The item itself ultimately again becomes invaluable. So what an incredible musr, right? In life, you can't, you have to keep your eye on the ball, right? You can't, you can't have a lapse of awareness. The moment you fall asleep at the wheel of life is the moment all kinds of things happen. So now we're trying to figure out what's the nature of the psul, what's the nature of the invalidation of hesachadas. 
So watch this. Rabbi Yochanan says, actually, interestingly enough, that Hesachadas is a psul tuma. It's an issue of tuma. In other words, we'll say, because there's a lack of awareness, what we're concerned about is maybe the consecrated item became Tameh, and because you were totally inattentive, you don't even realize what it is that occurred. Rabshim ben Lakish, Rabshim ben Lakish says, no, psul haguf havi. No, 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 it's not a psul tuma. It's a physical invalidation. It's a physical invalidation. So we'll say, Everyone is agreeing that Hesech Hadas ultimately, again, is problematic. The Shaila is, what is the nature of the problem? Is it a Psul Tumah, or is it what we call a Psul Guf? A physical, an inherent invalidation in the item itself. Rabbi Yochanan, Psul Tumah. Rabbi Yochanan says it's a Psul Tumah. Shem Yavo Eliyav, Itarena, Shomen Lo. So we'll say, Rabbi Yochanan holds the Psul Tumah, Vaharai, Eliyav, and were to come. That if when Eliyohan Navi comes and he tells us ultimately again that this particular item in question is Tahar and not Tameh, we will listen to him. Reb Shimon Lakishar Psul Hagof Havi, says, No, Hesech Hadas creates an actual inherent physical invalidation. Or as I both say, I failed to remain aware of the consecrated item, and therefore, halacha by definition, it is invalid. Psul haguf havi, shim yavo even if Eliyahu were to come along and say, the item is not tame, ain shomen lo, we would not listen to Eliyahu Hanavi. So I will say, this is an incredibly important and profound yisod. I will say, this is that, you know, sometimes in the daf, when we don't necessarily go ahead and remember, you know, all the shackle and tie, all the back and forth, there are principles that we learn and principles that we absorb that are so important. This is one of them. The concept of Hesach Hadas by Kodshim, Es Mishmeres Churumosai. Churuma Kodshim requires Shmira. Where you don't have awareness, that's called Hesach Hadas. When there's no Hesach Hadas, that's Machlokis Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan is saying Hesach Hadas is a psul tumah. Once there's no awareness, you have to be concerned that maybe the item became ritually impure. Rishlokish, no, 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 it's not tumah. It's just an inherent invalidation in the item. Since the item requires, quote-unquote, guarding, if you don't guard it, by definition, it becomes invalid. So the Gemara says, So Rabbi Yochanan raised the kasha. So listen to this. What's is an interesting idea. There was a small, a small open area. Lul katan means like a small open area, a small cavity. Between the kevesh, the kevesh is the ramp, and the mizbeach. Bema'aravo shel kevesh, in the west of the ramp. Shesham hayu zarkin psuli chatos ha'ov v'tu'ubar tzurasan. The yotz on the base hasrefa. So we'll say if you had a situation, ultimately again, a v'chatos ha'ov, right? A bird offering, a bird offering, which became invalid. What would they do? They would go ahead and throw the invalid bird offering into the cavity, into the little area right by the ramp. They would let it sit overnight. Two words for us literally means let its form change. And then they would take it out the next morning to go ahead and burn it. Look at Rashi. Shisham zarkin psuli chatasa'uf. Lefi shehi na'asis bekeren ma'aravis dromis lamato. O kishi'ira psul ba she'eno psul haguf mamish. Ve'en yachol v'sarfam yatsu. We'll say we're talking about over here 
without getting into all technicalities, Rashi points out that we must be talking about that the bird developed some type of disqualification that does not allow for immediate burning of it. Rather, we have to let it sit overnight. And then I also remember again, when you let a carbon sit overnight, what happens? That's the psul of lino. That's the psul. That's the invalidation of letting it sit overnight. And then the next morning, you take it out and burn it. So if you hold, now remember, once you go ahead and you throw that, that, that invalid bird offering into the cavity, that's hesachadas. So says Rabbi Yochanan like this, if you hold like me, that hesachadas is a psul tuma, that's how you have to let the bird sit overnight. Shema yavo iliavi because maybe Eliyahu will come and he will declare it to be tar. But if you hold like you, if you hold like you, very shlakish, that ultimately, again, is a psul haguf, it's an actual inherent invalidation of the carbon itself. Why do I need to let the bird sit overnight? We learned, this is the rule. Anything that has an inherent disqualification in the carbon itself, could be burnt immediately. If there's a disqualification that comes about as a result of something to do with the blood or disqualification in the owners, let the carbon sit overnight. And then once it sits overnight, then becomes puzzle through lina, through sitting overnight. Then you could take it out and you could burn it afterwards. I'm sorry, so remember again, so this is the kasha, that Rabbi Yochanan is asking on Rish Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan says, according to me, that I hold that halacha lamaisa, hesach hadas, as a psul tumah, this makes perfect sense. Let the invalid bird offering sit overnight. In the event that Eliyahu comes along and tells us it's not, Tommy, it's going to be totally fine. But according to you, Rish Lakish, who holds that hesach hadas, lapse of awareness, is a psul guf, is an inherent problem with the carbon itself, then why do you have to let it sit overnight? Ultimately, again, you should be able to burn it immediately. So we'll say ultimately again, the Tana of this particular Raisa is of the opinion that even items which are clearly a psul guf, like for example, pigle, right? So we'll say pigle, ultimately again, a coin has in mind during the avoda that he's going to consume the carbon in an illegal fashion, in an illegal, in an illegal time, illegal fashion. That makes the carbon automatically invalid. Everyone agrees that's a psul guf. This particular tana holds that when it comes to any invalid offering, we don't burn it immediately. Rather, we let it sit overnight, lino, and then we go ahead and we burn it afterwards. Okay. So we'll say, remember, we are still embedded now j- j- just to keep, keep the flow. We are still haven't resolved the Mishnah that we quoted, right? So we'll say the Mishnah we quoted of Shsile Chuma. I have a head of cabbage, that's chuma that became tomei, I replanted it. What did the Mishnah say? The Mishnah said that halacha lamai said to horamilatame, the head of cabbage itself becomes tar, right? Can't go ahead and convey toma to anything, but asur milachal, but can't be consumed. We're not sure what that last statement means. Who, who, who is asur milachal? So we're up to, right now is Rabbi Yochanan, and Rabbi Yochanan says asur milachal refers to the Kohanim. I, why can't the coin eat the replanted head of cabbage even after you harvest it again? 
Hesachadas, because there was a lapse of awareness regarding Truma, and whenever there's a lapse of awareness, the item becomes invalid. Oh, lapse of awareness, Hesachadas, now we're kind of on that, on that side note. So now we're discussing the nature of the prohibition of Hesachadas. What is that psul? So Machlokis, Rabbi Yochanan, and Reish Lakish, Rabbi Yochanan holds that Hesachadas is a psul tuma, it's tuma, and Rabbi Shimon Lakish holds that it's a psul guf. It's an inherent invalidation in the, in, in the consecrated item itself. So good. If ultimately, again, you have sacrificial meat, which became Tameh, or became invalid, or it was taken out of its prescribed area. Rabbi Eliezer Omer Yizrok. Rabbi Eliezer says you could still go ahead and sprinkle the blood. Right? So what's Rabbi Eliezer is of the, of the opinion that even if you don't have the sacrificial meat, as long as the blood is intact, you can go ahead and do Zrika with the blood. Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Lo Yisrael. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, in order to do the Zrika on the blood, you have to go ahead and, excuse me, you have to go ahead and have the intact meat. Umoda Rabbi Yeshua, and Rabbi Yeshua will agree that what? Shimzarak Hurtza. That ultimately, again, that if you did indeed do the blood service, even in the absence of sacrificial meat, that it works. So the Gemara says, well, let's analyze this. My nifsal, but so when we speak about sacrificial meat that became puzzle, what are you talking about? What does that refer to? Lav behesachadas, is that not referring to hesachadas? If you hold the hesachadas as a psul tumah, like Rabbi Yochanan, the hainu then I will say again, if we're talking about a psul tumah, that's what we're talking about. The reason I don't have the sacrificial meat is because sacrificial meat became tameh. Then I understand why, if I go ahead and I do the blood service, that the carbon will work. Why, Rabose? Because there's the tzitz. The tzitz, Rabose, remember again, is the head plate, the forehead plate that the coin godl wears. There's the concept of tzitz miratza, that ultimately, again, the tzitz has the ability to affect atonement. Specifically, specifically, when something, something sacrificial was impure was tamay, and you did it anyway. So if you hold that Hesachadas is a din in Tumah, and you're talking about a case where now there's no sacrificial meat, but the Kohen did the blood service anyway, and you're going to tell me that Rabbi Yeshua holds that it works, that makes sense. If you hold Hesachadas is a din in Tumah. But if you hold that Hesachadas is a psul guf, ultimately, again, why does it work? Why it shouldn't work, I will say again, if you hold it's a psul guf, the tzitz, Rabbi say, the tzitz can't affect atonement for anything. The tzitz could affect atonement in cases of tumah, but the tzitz can't affect atonement in other areas, to which the Gemara says, my nifsal, you're right. What's the case of where the meat became possible? Nifsal betful yom. The case of say is where the meat, the sacrificial meat came in contact with a tvul yom. So we'll say ultimately again, which is, of course, a much lower form of tumah. If that's the case, so again, we'll say then the price is repetitive because the price is Eisve, Nitma O Nifsal Habasar, O So I don't understand. So then you're telling me that the case of Nifsal is when it came in contact with the Tful Yom. If it came in contact with the Tful Yom, then ultimately, again, that's Nitma. So why are you repeating the same thing twice? To which the Gemara says, You're right, Tregavni Tami. Two different forms of Tuma. Good. So we'll say, So again, so so we still have our Machlokas. We still, so. We still don't have our final interpretation of the Mishnah. We still have our Machlokas, ultimately, again, between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. So, Kisalik Ravin, when Ravin came, Amra Lushmaita, Kamei Rabbi Yermiyah. So, when Ravin came to Eretz Yisrael from Babel, 
he said over this statement of, sorry, he said over these, these statements, this discussion that we're having right now in front of Rabbi Yemir. I'll say, take a look at Rashi, it's the first wide line. So we'll say, so remember again, so he, remember, so this is, I'm sorry, when Ravin came, when Ravin came to Eretz Yisrael, he comes before Rabbi Yirmiya, and he said over Rav Shishis's interpretation of the Mishnah. So we'll say, remember again, the Mishnah, the Mishnah that we were dealing with, which was the replanted head of cabbage, right? Truma head of cabbage that became Tame. Then you're replanting it. What did Mishnah say? The head of cabbage itself is, is unable to go ahead and convey Tuma. It loses its Tuma status once you replant it. Doesn't convey Tuma, but it's also inedible. And Rav Shesha says, who is it inedible by? By Kohanim. Why is it not edible by Kohanim? Remember Rav Shesha said, Hesachadas. Hesachadas. That's the flow of the Gemara. So comes along Rabin, and Rabin says over this whole thing in front of Rabbi Yirmiya, Rabbi Yomir says, Amri Amar, Bavloi Tipshai, those foolish Babylonians. First wide line. Foolish Babylonians. Mishum diyasi ba'ar dechashucha, amrisun shmaisa demachshachu, because they live in a dark land, they say rulings that are dark and dim as well. So we'll say, so Rashi points out over here. So essentially, what Rabbi Yomir was saying was, I don't totally agree with what Rav Sheshis was saying. That's, that's the Rashi on his statement. And so we'll say, so ultimately, again, remember, Baba Rashi points out was situated in a valley. So it's often called the dark land. So lo shmiya l'chu had Reb so ultimately, Rabbi Yirmiya says, "Didn't you hear what Rish Lakish said?" Mishnei Raboshia, me mehachag shenitmu. Suppose this is an interesting case. Mehachag also refers to water used in the base Hamikdash for the Niso Hamayim. Niso Hamayim was a special water libation that was brought on Sukkis. So watch this. So me'achag shenitma. We'll say, so if you had water that was set aside for Nisuch HaMayim, which became Tameh. Now, Rashi's pointing out over here that we're talking about, we're talking about where the water, this is Shabbos. The water was drawn Erev Shabbos, right? To have it in the base, I make that for Shabbos. And then the water became Tameh. Because it's Shabbos, I can't really go back to the Gihon Spring and go ahead and redraw the water again. So what happens? So the Gimara, So what do you do if the water that's going to be used for for Nisuchamay becomes tame? So what's talacha? Heshikon va'achaka hikdishan tahorin. So we'll say ultimately again if I do hashaka. So we'll say this is incredible. So remember again there was Rashi points out over here. There was a small stream that ultimately ran through the courtyard of the Beis Hamikdash. So they would do something called hashaka. Hashaka means they would take the water and literally again kiss it to the stream of water. So we'll say without getting into all the technicalities now. If halachalamaisa, you go ahead and you take ritually impure water, and you connect, you allow that water to touch water of a mikvah the ritually impure water becomes pure. This is the concept of hashaka. Now, the truth is, we use hashaka today in our mikvos because we know that a mikvah is supposed to be 40 sa'ah of rainwater, but often we don't have 40 sa'ah of rainwater in a mikvah. I have some amount of rainwater, and the rainwater kisses 
the regular water, hashaka, that's what it's called, kisses the regular water, thereby converting the entire body into a pool of rainwater. Again, I'm simplifying things just a bit, but the idea here is as follows. So if you have the water that was drawn for the Niso Hanayim, and that became Tameh, you could do hashaka. They would kiss it to the waters in the stream that went through the base Hamikdash, and that would purify the waters. But the Gemara says something very interesting over here. The Gemara says, Heshikan v'achakachikdishan, if you first did the hashaka and then you did the consecration, Tohorin, ultimately again it works. However, but if you first sanctified the water, it became Tameh, and then you did the hashaka, ultimately again it will be Tameh. It will be Tameh. In other words, it doesn't lose its Tumah status. Rashi says over here, well, that's not it. Michtis, let's analyze this. Smichti, Zriya Ninhu. Interestingly enough, doing hashaka with water is the same thing as replanting the head of cabbage that became tame. It's the same, it's the same yeso, the same concept. I'm taking an item, returning it to its point of origin, and when you do that, so the tuma ultimately falls away. So I take the head of cabbage, that's tame, replant it in the ground, ultimately again it loses its tuma status. I take water which became tame, I reattach it to a, to, a, to a body of water, ultimately again it becomes tar. So what does it matter with the water if I went ahead and kissed it to the stream before I consecrated it or after I consecrated it? Alma, what do you see from here? Ein zriya lehekdish. Hachanami, ein zriya lechuma. Rather, I'll say, what do you see from here? You see from here that there is no replanting of hekdish, there is no replanting of truma. And I will say, now, what does this mean? Take a look at Rashi. Ein zriya lehekdish. Litaro bekach demaila asu bekachim. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. So I will say, so it turns out that halacha lemaisa, what Rabbi Yermia is suggesting is as follows. If you were to take the water, if you were to take the water and you were first to consecrate it, let's say you were, you were to consecrate it, then it became Tameh, and now you want to kiss it to the stream. Rabbi Yomia suggests that does not work. You can't purify the water in that way. If you didn't yet consecrate the water, you could purify it by kissing it to, it's not the right English, but you understand, by kissing it to the stream, right? But I will say, but why, so what, what is the problem if you first consecrated it? Because ultimately, again, once an item has become consecrated, so Rabbi Yirmi is of the opinion of what we call Ein Zriya Lehagdish. That Kodesh, Kodesh, once an item becomes consecrated, you can't tamper with it. You just can't tamper with it. So the notion of going ahead and kissing the water to the stream in order to purify it, so Rabbi Yirmi will say, once it's Kodesh, it's Kodesh, you can't change it. And if it becomes Tameh, it becomes Tameh. Rabbi Yirmi will say the same thing with the head of cabbage. Once the head of cabbage becomes is truma and becomes tameh, the act of replanting it cannot alter it. According to Birmia, this is Maila Asubikachim. This was an additional stringency that Chazal went ahead and established by Kachim. So therefore I both say a brand new interpretation. A brand new interpretation. And therefore Halakha Lamaisa, Rabbi Yermio will say that every that, that, that ultimately just like you, so therefore again in the case of the waters if you didn't yet consecrate it you can purify it but once you consecrated it it can no longer be purified in the same way that if you were to go ahead and replant the truma head of cabbage that became tame that would not work as well in Zriya Lehekdish 
Hachinami ein zriya letruma. Yosef Ravdimi v'ka'amar leila hashmaisa. So Ravdimi was saying over this particular ruling, Raboshia's ruling. So the Gemara says Raboshia's ruling. Amar leabaye hikdishem v'klika avar aval bepe lo avod rabbanon ma'ila. So I'll say, see now we've established the following. You drew the water. We're going back now for a moment to Niso Chamayim. So we'll say, so in the realm of Niso Chamayim now, we're going back and we're discussing the idea that if you drew the water, it's Shabbos. If the water became Tameh, if the water became Tameh and you have not yet consecrated it, you could purify it by connecting it with the stream water. If, however, the water already became Tameh, if the water was already consecrated, you cannot go ahead and purified by connecting it to the stream water. So we'll say now we're asking on that. Rav Dimi asked on this. I don't understand. So the Gemara says, oh, excuse me. So Yas Rav Dimi, excuse me. Hegdisham bekli kamar vavapelo avod rabbana maila odilma bepet nami avod rabbana maila. I both say, so just the question Abayi says, when we say the water was consecrated, does that mean the water was dafka consecrated in a utensil? And that's when we say once it was consecrated in a utensil, Ultimately, again, you cannot go ahead and purify it by attaching it to the stream. But if you were to just consecrate it verbally and it were to become tame, you would be permitted to go ahead and purify it by, by connecting it with the stream. Or do we say no? Any type of consecration, whether it's done with the mouth or whether it's done with a kli, Amrlay Zulo Shamati. He said, you know, I don't know the answer to this, but however, but I have heard something similar. Another Nabo say that we're coming out full circle. Another Mshinit Mu, if you have grapes that ultimately again became Tame, Darkon, Vaachakach, Hikadishon, see if you went ahead and you crushed them, and Halacha Lamaisa, then you consecrated them. Tohorin, ultimately they're Tar, Hikadishon, Vaachakach, Darkon, but ultimately again, if you went ahead and, you know, we'll say, but before we go on with this, I just, I want to close out. I'd like to close out ultimately again the the sugya of the sugya of Hesachadas. Because let, let me let me just because this this although this is related, just to close out the sugya of Hesachadas. So I must remember again where the machlokes Rabbi Yochanan and Reish by Hesachadas. There's a remember also this is incredibly important. Es mishmeres trumosai or trumosi. There's an oblig not not trumosai. I'm sorry. There is an obligation to go ahead and guard truma. What happens, and it's not just truma, it's all consecrated items. What happens if halacha lamaisa, you have a lapse of awareness? Machlokis Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish. Rabbi Yochanan, psul tuma. Reish Lakish, ultimately, again, psul guf. So, both say, who do we paskin like? The Rambam paskin is like Rabbi Yochanan, namely that it is a psul tuma. It's a psul tuma. And therefore, again, when there's a lot, and therefore we'll say, what would that mean practically? What that means practically is that on a sacrificial level, whenever there is an issue of hesachadas, we never destroy the item immediately. Rather, we do what? We leave it overnight. Why do we leave it overnight? Because in the event that Eliyahu Hanavi comes, he will go ahead and determine for us if it was really tummy or not. However, again, once left overnight, if Eliyahu Hanavi has not come, then you would destroy it. They're both say, where do we see this practically? I'll just give you an incredible, you'll say to yourself, that's very interesting, but it has no ramifications on me. It does. Both say, listen to this. We know that the Minag Yisrael is that on a Seder night, you go ahead and you take the middle of the three of the three matzahs, right? Bayachas. You take the middle of the three matzahs, you break it in half, you take the larger half, and you, you set it aside for Afikomen. For Afikomen. It will say, what's the Minag Yisrael by Afikomen? What do we do with it? What do we do with it? 
you wrap it up. You wrap it up. Says the base Halevi. Why he brings this down in, in, in the base Halevi Agada. Says, why is it that we wrap up the, the larger Afikombis, the Yachatz piece? This is incredible. He says, because remember again, the Afikoman is in place of the carbon Pesach. It's in place of the carbon Pesach. And I've also said the carbon Pesach, Bo'i Shimur. Carbon Pesach ultimately again requires guarding or attentiveness, both because Karm Pesach happens to have an additional level of Shimur associated with it, but also because Karm Pesach is a sacrificial item, and every sacrificial item requires Shimur. Therefore, Halacha Lemaisa, what? Therefore, Halacha Lemaisa, we wrap up the Afikoman, ultimately, that's supposed to represent the Karban Pesach, as a form of Shimur, as a form of guarding it. In fact, there is another older minogam will say that the Baal HaSeder will sometimes take the Afikoman and put it behind his pillow. They have to be careful that you don't make it into Matzimel. But, but you understand what say, so people think, ah, that people do that to hide it from the kids. No, the, 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 the discussion or the issue or the practice of stealing the Afikoman is a, is a much more involved and intricate thing that actually many postkim did not like at all. All because they felt that it engenders the totally wrong midos in our children, namely theft and bargaining for gashmius on a night of ruchnius. But I digress. That's a different discussion. Let's say, but again, the idea of putting it behind you, putting it behind you, ultimately, again, is also a form of shimor, a form of guarding, so as to avoid any kind of hesachadas. So again, so we pass in like Rabbi Yochanan, that hesachadas is a psaltuma, and again, amazingly enough, for us, hesachadas does contemporary relevance on the Leil HaSeder. So we'll have to stop over here. We'll pick up in Yerat HaShem with the Anovim, in Yerat HaShem tomorrow. Wishing everyone a wonderful day, a meaningful fast, and a good Nair Shabbos.